This podcast is produced by Spin Market and Digital. Welcome to How to Money with Cole and Cole. I'm Cole. And I'm Cole. We coach people every day on their money and how to plan for the future. As financial advisors, we're here to have an honest conversation and educate you on investing, retirement, and everything in between. And we'll throw in some sports talk along the way. Our mission and goal of this podcast is to improve your money journey and help you create the financial life you deserve. So let's talk money. And sports. Welcome back to How to Money with Cole and Cole. I am Bailey Ashbrook, investment advisor, sitting here with Cole Peterson. What's up, everybody? And Cole Jasky. Hello. Glad to be here, everybody. Wow, Cole. Bring the energy. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Caleb, Caleb's got me down a little bit. Like his, you know, his, normally his energy's all like bubbly and popply. So I yeah. woke up this morning and I have some sort of head junk. So that's yeah. nice. And that's you why got he's a mic back. Over there. And yep. you got a mic back. <laughs> I do. It's like Michael Whenever, Jordan flu game, man. You got to, you yep. know, <laughs> when there's no guests, <laughs> I get a mic. So yeah. What's going on? Heat's Nuggets. Oh, man. He got. Uh, I got more into the NBA last week. I was on a little bit of a fishing vacation, and one of my buddies is a huge Heat fan. Like, that's his team. And, you know, they were playing the Celtics. So, uh, he he got me into it. Now I'm now I'm watching it with my kids. My invested. boys are kind of into it. Invested <laughs> yeah. in the Heat, huh? Yeah, the Heat uh, in their seventh NBA Finals in the last 18 years. I didn't know that. So impressive. Crazy. Eric Spolstra, most underrated coach probably in the league, and then... The Nuggets, first ever NBA Finals. That's pretty yeah. cool. Can they pull it out? First one ever. It's one yeah. one, right? One one right now. Yep. Yeah. One one. Yeah. We're we're taping this on a, on a Tuesday, and uh, it's one one right now. I think uh, game three is tomorrow night. Yep. On Wednesday. Yep. Don't sleep on the Heat. People, no. People eight seed. Know. Yeah. I'm pulling for the Heat. I don't think they'll win, but I'm pulling for them. First eight seed to win if they win. Yeah. They have the experience too. That's the difference. The Nuggets don't. So. Jimmy Butler called it before the playoffs. Mm -hmm. He said it, said it publicly. He? Yeah. There's some major golf news going on too, isn't there? Yeah. The uh, LIV tour or live tour uh, is combining with the PGA tour. It's like breaking news. This came out like an hour ago. Breaking, so oh, really? breaking news. Yeah. 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 They're, they're merging. It's not even on Caleb's sports yeah. sheet. Yep. <laughs> it's, they're merging. It just announced. I saw it on Twitter or something, Why? you know. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of competition between the two and they're spending a lot of money. I'm guessing, you know, it made sense. There's a lot of you know, riffraff between the two of whether players can be on the Ryder Cup and all this stuff. So, um, yeah, it's so interesting. There'll be a lot of people backtrack probably a lot of stuff that they said publicly, you know, about each of the tours. So it's quite, yeah. quite so interesting. So as quick as it started, it's over. Yeah. The Live Tour. Yeah. 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 Huh. The Live Tour was created to create the uh, competition between the mm -hmm. two tours because uh, there was a lot of things about the PGA Tour that that uh, a lot of guys didn't agree with, but they had no other option. Yep, uh, it was the only so, option. Right. If you were at the top of the game. If you were at the top of the game, there was only one option. And that's how a lot of professional leagues, I yep. mean, NFL, there's no competition. NBA, there's no competition. Um, but there were some things about the PGA Tour, them being a nonprofit organization was one of the – issues and, then and the live live tour with the being Saudi backed, you know, there was some you know, ethical issues or, you know, that people were bringing up, but yeah, it's kind of like one of those things. Money talks, yeah, I guess, I right. That's a, it's, yeah. They're, they're going into a for-profit entity. The PGA tour does have like the, just the brief headline I read They're They're like the, you know, the decision maker or the controlling party, I think in the, when it's all said and done, it'll still be the PGA tour, but you know, they all said it was to grow the game, but you know, yeah, well, they, grew, they grew the money in the purse for the game for I the players, for sure. The players, players. what you said, Victor Hovland got a little over $3 million yep. for his win at the Memorial. And two years ago, the winner got 1.2 million. Yep. So they're they doubled the purses yeah. and, and that's 
Dang. Yeah, that, that was kind Day of on the golf field. I know. <laughs> what yeah. am I doing? That's crazy. Well, yeah. get your kids into golf, everybody. <laughs> Just like any other professional athlete, you don't realize how good they are until you actually see them in person and watch what they do. Or, or you know, like we play competitively, but at a local level, and it's like you know how like how bad we'll shoot, and you're like these guys are so good, like the best we shoot, and we'd play their courses like not even close, like the normal person check. has has no no idea. I heard Scotty Scheffler talking about a match that he has with Tony Romo, who's a scratch golfer. Yeah, he gives Tony Romo six shots every round. Yeah, and Tony Romo and plays in, him for money. Tony Romo's played in some like uh, the the corn fairy he's played in a couple mm-hmm. corn fairy events and and some professional events and stuff yeah he's a really really good player is he yeah and he so he'd have to give us like 12 yeah <laughs> we'd need them all yeah the guys like golf we love golf i don't i don't but they do they do <laughs> you see how passionate they Suck got up, there Kim. for a minute yeah. All right. Well, I'm excited for today's episode. We looked up the top 10 most Googled finance, personal questions, investing questions, questions on money. What are people Googling? What are people searching? And what do they want to understand? So I'm going to start with the number one question on Google that people are searching. Ready? And I will. Okay. And if I Googled this question, I will tell you. Yeah, I think you know. Ready? What is a good credit score? I Number Googled one. that one. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> First one on the list. That was the top one. Number we all one. kind of put in some By far. some searches, and that was that was the top one that people out in the yeah. uh, you know on their phones are Googling. And there were a lot of questions about a credit score, like how to get a good credit score, how to improve my credit score. So we're just going to talk about credit score just in general, how, yes. how, to, how to get a good credit score, what is a good score. Uh, what is so, a credit score? So, okay, so what is a credit score? It's, it, it is a prediction of your credit behavior. And it, they attach a score to it. So, um, you know, a average score is 600 to 650. Uh, if you're below that, uh, a creditor will look at you as a, as a higher risk. Uh, if you are higher than that, and the highest it goes, I believe, is like 850, 888, something like that. Uh, say you have a score of 800, a creditor will look at you as, you're, you're a pretty good risk that I can take probably give you a better rate, probably more likely to borrow you more money if you need it. Because you're going to pay it back. Because you're going to pay it back. I Google I Google it real quick. Oh, Three, 300 to 850. Oh, 300, 300 to low. Yep, 850 is the best. 300 What's the low. average American credit score? Keep talking. Well, yeah, yeah, no, keep, let, yeah, let's keep, guess. Let's, let's guess. Uh, let's put, put a put a bet on this. 677. I would say... I was going to say... Did you... Six, I don't know. Oh, 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 that's your guess. 630 okay. is my guess. I will say six. What'd you say, 630? Yep. I'll take 629. I'll, say, I'll take 632. Oh, I was off. Six, 698. Oh, oh, it's the closest. Yeah. Okay. Let's so go. we were on the sixes. So, so we, we were underestimating America. Yeah, well, we were. It's the U.S. Yeah, right. U.S. in the U.S. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's not that great, though. I mean, it's mean. actually... It's not bad, I mean, but it's not like... An average credit score is 698. So, so 700 is probably okay. Like, if you have a 700 score, that's okay. That's like mortgage. When you go to get a mortgage, and I know Caleb, this is where Caleb came up with this, but I think 700 is kind of like a, a benchmark for them. Like, you're, about, you're 700 or better. You're kind of considered in a better quality. 700 and below, you're not going to get as favorable terms. That's kind of the, the benchmark that people want to have. Yeah. So how do they get the prediction of the credit behavior and get you this score is how do you, do you pay your bills on time? Do you pay your credit card on time? Do you pay your car loan on time? Do you pay your current mortgage on time? Do you, and and people don't, that don't understand this, like the credit or the agency say like discover or visa, they, they report the data, you know, of if you're paying your bills on time and what your balances are, are you running a credit card balance versus what your, you know, credit limit is same thing with the banks. What do you have for, you know, for loans, for car loans, autos, mortgages. And that's where they compile this data 
and that's where the individual that's where you get your individual credit score and I, i'm a big component of you should have a log on to one of the the big three the transunion experian What's the other one? There's three big credit. I, I use uh, experience. Equifax. Equifax. Yep. Yep. There you go. Credit, credit karma. You can, you can sign up for free. This is a, you know, yeah. tidbit. Tuesday not a plug, here. not yeah. sponsored. Yeah. Tidbit Tuesday, but you could go to credit. It's a free, you know, Google, Google it free credit karma.com. Create a thing, put in your social security number and it gives you, you know, your credit. You can get it every day for free. Right. So and it takes the right. three, the average of the three that you just said. So mm-hmm. I normally can't bring anything to this conversation, but I <laughs> did just work on my credit score. So I, if the, Experian app will give you the Experian one. The Credit Karma one will give you the TransUnion. And the oh, okay, okay. So I had both. Yep, I spoke Thank wrong. Thank you, Caleb. There you go. Yeah. A so, lot of the credit card companies now, or if you have, like, I think I, um, one of them that I have, I can't, Chase, or the, mm-hmm. you actually, it has, like, a link, like, look at your credit score and you just hit it, and it pops up. It pulls right into the website, which I think is really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm a proponent of having one of those, have a way to check your credit score. And the reason being is, is, and I'll tell you a quick story is like one time that I looked on our Experian and we still had an account open at Lowe's or something like that. It didn't have a balance, but I was like, why do we even have that open? Like, you know, we we haven't used that forever. And and so you can see all your credit cards or any account that you've opened where you've had a credit balance or, or or if someone has a, someone has like a a debt against you, say it was like an unpaid medical bill or something you never got sent. And it was even like $75 or something Mm -hmm. really low. Like there'll be, there'll be some type of, you can, you know, request your report and see what that is or what, what is out there on your report. It's probably good to check in today's world with fraud too. Biggest, biggest impact. And I don't have the stats on it, but if you, if, if someone just were throwing plugs for Google here, Google what impacts your credit the most. And I believe is your, uh, your, your, um, your balances versus your credit limits. Mm. And then your, your hired inquiries are like percentage of usage. Yep. yep. So that's, that's like, if you've got $20,000 on your credit card that you can use and you're running a $15,000 balance at all times, that's not a, you know, not a great thing. That's going to reduce your credit score. Okay. So this was a simple question, but was Googled. So how do I get a good credit score? I know we kind of touch on your pain. So you want to pay it regularly. Don't miss payments. It's, it's not always bad to have debt. People, you know, talk about, they want to pay down debt, pay down debt. And it is a good thing. And you shouldn't have bad debt, which we've talked a lot about, but like credit card, anything with a high interest rate, uh, is bad debt. And they're getting pretty high right now. Right. Right. But, uh, paint, paying on time is the number one thing that gets you a good credit score, uh, percentage of revolving debt. Uh, so trying to have that revolving debt. And when we're talking about revolving debt, we're talking about month to month. So your mortgage is not considered revolving debt. That's long-term debt. Uh, so revolving debt is credit cards, things that you use on a, on a monthly basis, reducing, um, what's called hard inquiries. So that's like, if you go to, you know, a department store and they say, Hey, you want to open up a credit card? You know, Shields. I always think of Shields. They always ask you, do you want to open up a Shields visa card? Always. And when they go to do that card, they're going to pull your credit and that's going to be an inquiry on your, on your credit. So that's by default, you, even if you take the credit card or not, they're checking it. That means you're, you're looking to request credit. It is going to reduce your score a little. Now it's not like a big, big dollar amount, but you'll, you'll hear, I've got some mortgage lender buddies. They always say, Hey, you know, try to reduce as we're like the 30 days before your mortgage to make sure we get everything to the final, you know, final stage. Don't be opening up any new accounts because it'll, it'll, pull, it'll, pull. Call, yeah, it'll pull and then they'll, they'll have to re-underwrite you because they don't know if you got a new loan or whatever it might be. So those are things that, you know, just, just being aware of, you know, you might think, oh, this is easy. Just hit a button, but then it you know reduces your credit score because you just re- you know, requested an inquiry for credit. 
but the, the 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 number one thing is is paying on time if you yep. have late payments the the credit score will definitely decrease but all those other things add to it um so we you want to you want to have a good credit score to be able to do the things you want to do with uh long-term debt especially number one question answered don't have to google it just listen Boom. to the podcast awesome <laughs> All right, number two. What is APR and APY? How yeah. does it go oh, ahead? Oh, What's sorry. the difference? Yeah, so um, annual percentage rate, annual percentage yield. So I'll start with, I mean, they, they work the same. One's, you know, when you're paying interest, the other one would be when you're getting paid interest. So APY, which is annual percentage yield, I'll start there. That is, you know, if you go to your local bank and say, hey, uh, what's your CD rates for one year? They're going to give you, say, 4%. APY. That's annual percentage yield. That means if you hold that CD there for a year, that's the exact rate you're going to get in a one year's period of time. Now, big misconception here on that is if the bank, you call the bank and say, Hey, um, I want six months, a six month CD. So I'm going to have the money there for six months. And they say, yep, we'll pay you 4.3% APY for the year. Yeah. For the year. Right. So you're not going to get 4.3% for just having the money six months. That's if you held that CD there for a year and got that yield, you're really only going to get half of that because you are only there. They're paying you 4.3% based on one year, but you're only going to have it for six months. So that is a misconception that people, I think, get confused on APY. Yep. You look at everything on an annual basis. Yep. Shifting over to, you know, annual percentage rate. So that's tied. We're talking about credit scores, you know, credit cards. That would be the rate of interest you are paying, you know, on your credit card same thing. They annualize it. Now, credit cards are variable interest. They, that means they can adjust monthly and they all have their own, you know, prime plus whatever they want to do. Or if your credit scores t- is not good, you're going to pay a much higher credit rating because, you know, they're looking and say, hey, you're high risk. You haven't paid your credit, you know, your bills on time, where it might be. But when you see that, you'll see 18.4% APR on your credit card statement, the very bottom in fine print, or, or you got to look through it's, you know, it's Tiny never, font. yeah, it's never on the front page, right? <laughs> it's somewhere on there, but that's, that's the annual rate. If you ran, so you just take your balance, say your balance is $3,000. If you didn't pay it all year, you're going to pay 18.4%, you know, your annual percentage 3, rate. Yep. yep. That was a good tidbit. Yeah. Okay. Another big popular question, how to start investing, which we've talked about before on the podcast, if you want to check out the other episodes, but how to start investing, how much, and when should I start? Those were like top three altogether. Yeah. So that, that's a, that's a loaded question because it's different for everybody. But, um, you know, when you should start investing, uh, you should start investing as soon as you start making money earlier, the better, earlier, the better. Um, and, and I know that another one of the questions that we discussed was on compound interest and I'm not going to go into that, but the sooner you start investing, the more interest you can make on that first investment, that first investment, if you did it five years ago is going to have more interest on it than if you did it two years ago. So the sooner that you can start investing, the better. Now, at the same time, you should invest money in the proper vehicles of how you want to utilize it. Is it retirement funds or is it money that I'm going to invest, but I might want to use it for uh, down payment on a house or I might want to use it for, um, you know, buying a new car. So you've got to, you've got to make sure, make sure that you utilize it the correct way and how you invest it. So um, starting, starting early, um, how much you should invest is based on how much you know, make and how, what your bills are. So that's, that's a question you kind of have to do some budgeting on. Um, but those, those are the answers to that. Cole, Jay, you want to add anything? Yeah, to that? I, I would say, Googling. yeah, I, well, I was looking up a, a time, you know, I got all these random things going through my brain. So I'm always seeing it, some content I can add here, but 
I think it's big to, to always define somewhat of the objective of the bucket of money, right? So, uh, oh, I want to save, say, you know, getting down specifically, I want to save, say I'm a young 18-year-old, I want to save $20,000 for, you know, four years from now for the down payment for my house. How do I get there? My income's this. You know, here's what the rate of return on this investment I could potentially get. Here's much I can budget to save. So, you know, it kind of starts there of saying, hey, and yeah, obviously on that goal, the earlier you start, the better, because then you don't have to save as much on a monthly you know, basis if you have more time. Perfect. Great question. All right. This was another, I think this was top two on one of my searches. How many credit cards should I have? Dun, dun, dun. dun. <laughs> I was going to do that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> How many credit cards should you have? As many as you can responsibly keep track of? Just thinking of the phrase drink responsibly. <laughs> yeah. credit card yeah. I think a big, um, here's where my brain went to the, on this is, you know, and I'll give you maybe my personal opinion. I, I have one that like my wife and I use for most of our family stuff. And then, you know, I have a uh, business. Obviously, if you got a business, I think you should have, you know, separate business accounts, all that stuff. But then we do have a couple specialty like a furniture, you know, furniture store, like uh, the ones in Iowa here, you know, you get no credit. Homemakers. Or no, no, yeah, no interest, no interest financing. So um, not that I, I want to run a big balance on things, but that does make sense when you're making a bigger purchase. If you can pay it kind of like a contract purchase, that's really all we do. And I think, you know, depending on if you travel and a lot of it's subject to what, mm -hmm. you know, what your spending habits are and you should do some research or, you know, on the, there's so many out there that if you know, you spend a lot of money on, you know, this, this, and this, there's ones that give you better points and maybe are more, you know, advantageous for you to have, or no, you know, being aware of the annual fees, you know, what, what are the interest rates on, you know, they're all different. You yeah, know, they all. High, I think but people understanding that there's different fees to have a different credit card. There's different points that you can use. There's just different avenues of different credit cards. Yeah, that that question cannot be answered because it's going to be different for every person. But I, I think it, the the being responsible is how many can I have open and be responsible about it. I don't think having a Shields credit card is bad, and I don't think Cole no. was saying that either. Or having a uh, homemaker's card, or having a, a you know whatever name your department store, Lowe's, whatever as long as you use it responsibly and you follow the terms of what you buy and maybe you take advantage of those six months interest free, don't take it out six months interest fee and pay it over 18 months. Cause then yep. you're going to pay 12 months worth of interest. So it's, it's all, it's all subject to what you are responsible for doing. And I, I think, you know, we, we were kind of talking about this a little bit off, off cam or off mic, um, you know, make sure you're living within your means within yes. that credit card, right? If you have a $10,000 balance, you know, and, and you go and buy something for 5,000, but you only have a thousand dollars in your checking account. That's not a good decision, right? Cause you know, you can't pay your cash for that or the money out of your checking account to pay that credit card bill. So you're going to be paying interest on that. That's now, what I was just yeah. going to say. It's, it, it comes back to, do you have a budget? Do you know how much you're taking Being disciplined. in? Being, it is a behavior thing. Like I know you, everyone here is very responsible. I'm hoping most people are, but it is a responsibility thing. You can't run them up. I know the thing about credit cards, just disclaimer, they're easier to spend. It's quicker. You don't look at it. So just being responsible. Okay. Here's my budget. Here's my income paying it off. Like we were talking before. Mm. Fun, right. Funny story on that. My 13 year old son asked me just yesterday, when can I get a credit card? 13. He's thinking 13 years old. That's crazy. And I said, yeah. well, I didn't know what a credit card no. was at 13. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they do because I see us yes. use them That's uh, all we frequently. Use. And, and, and we do talk about you know, using your credit card and paying it off and, and, and things like that in our family. But, uh, you know, I was just like, he's already thinking like, 
okay, that that's how I should pay for things. Yep. That's how I can he, buy things yeah. and get things. Yep. Because he uses all cash right now because, you know, he doesn't have a job, obviously. But we talked a little bit through like, okay, well, yeah, you can have a credit card when you when you have a job and you have a way to pay it off and you know how much you can spend on your credit card. Because it's not bad to have a credit card and earn the points and the rewards and everything like that as long as you don't pay a, a no. I, I mean, I try to pay no interest, ever, never carry a balance from month to month. Or you pay very little interest. And it can also be used, um, you know, in emergency situations, right? You have a really bad month, some unexpected things happen, you know, that, that'd be an okay time to pay some interest, right? You're, you don't want to put your family in a bind or car repair or something major. But quick question for you too. I just oh, was thinking gosh. this, so like just talking about spending behavior. Do you think it's easier to spend cash or a card? Card. I think card, yeah. yeah. Card. There's statistics behind it. Because cash, you like physically see yeah, it going out. And I know you. And you've worked for it and ver- like versus card where you're like. Eh. Some people don't carry cash. I know you You know, yeah. you know, and I are probably ab- abnormal or so unusual. I'll, in I'll ask a step farther. Is it easier to do Apple Pay or a card? I don't have Apple Pay. Apple Pay is dangerous, man. It is so um, dangerous. Now, now it's you buy something online and you just double click and it sends right to your house. Don't have See, to put anything in. And just like Scary. going back to your 13-year-old, again, it's really understanding the consequences if you don't pay it off. Like nope. I think that's like, I listened to a lot of podcasts. Someone called in the other day. They're like, well, we paid off all our credit card debt, but then we bought, went on a couple of vacations and now it's at 6,000. I'm like- Immediately back to, it's the, like, back to where they it's were. It's that revolving, like you, you got to know your be- behavior. Finance is so interesting nope. and that definitely ties to credit cards. Yeah, for sure. You have to, you have to be able to, uh, you know, know what you can spend know what if you're going to pay interest that that isn't that big a deal but uh you you need to know what that's going to be and then how you're going to pay it in the future sounds like we're advocating for budgeting there yeah that's what i was just thinking bailey's favorite word yeah. bailey the budgeter <laughs> <laughs> okay hey there listeners this episode of how to money with cole and cole is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know about you, but for me, finding the work-life balance of being a husband and father and working a job has been so rewarding, but it also can be so exhausting. And that's why it's important for me to take care of my health, and not just my physical health, but my mental health. And that's where therapy comes in. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service. And you know what's great about it? It's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of challenges. To get started, you just have to answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you with more scheduling flexibility at a more affordable price. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com CFG to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash C-F-G. Let's do a little dollars and cents. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Consumers... Falling behind. That's the headline. Kind of ties into our credit card. Yep. It's it's interesting. So I was reading a a headline. I got a company that sends like some beyond the news stats, you know, to me. And I'm always find that interesting to share with our listeners. So of all the consumer loans, so think of, you know, mortgages, credit cards, things, all such consumers or individuals, 3% 
of all consumers have moved into delinquent status in the first quarter of 2023. So Bailey, what is delinquent status? Explain that. I have a credit card and I did not pay the minimum. I'm just behind on my payments. I'm basically pushing it off to the next month. I have a $5,000 debt on my credit card. I didn't pay it. I didn't pay anything. I sent you that $35 late fee plus the interest you're going to owe me for that next month plus the minimum payment. I just made my stomach hurt. Yeah. I know. I could see you, you know, getting queasy over there (laughs) or you're not paying your mortgage on time. That's another delinquent payment or you didn't make your car payment. I mean, not just you're behind. You're, you're delinquent on something. Mm-hmm. Digging a little deeper here. So, Mr. Stat- I'm being Mr. Statistician today. 6.9% of all auto loans and 65 of all credit card accounts have, have moved into status. So, of that 3%, you know, there's a, you know, and, and then think digging it deeper into all the credit card accounts out there, 6.9% of them are in delinquent status, uh, or excuse me, 6.5 are in delinquent status. And I think it really ties into our you know, our credit card conversation, but so I want to clarify that the delinquent status too. It's not that you're not paying off your entire bill for the month. Mm-hmm. It's your, so behind. you're not even making the minimum yep. payment. So, you know, if you have a $3,000 credit card a month, let's just say your, your minimum payment's probably only a hundred bucks, 130. Okay. I don't, I don't even know what it would be, but say it's only, you're not even paying the hundred dollars. You're not, not only paying the three thousand that you spent, you're not even paying the minimum. Yep. Why do and, we think that is? Why do you think those numbers are going up? And that's, you know, I'll answer that question. But sorry, I'm, I just want to get this stat out because I think it's getting deeper. And I hate being yeah. negative, though. But this it's is a kind good of education. My, it's against my, uh, you know, like it's making me like uncomfortable because I'm a glass half full guy. But let's set, hear your empty set, glass. Yeah, this is the empty side. Seventeen percent. Um, consumer debt has rose seventeen percent year over year. So we take a one year snapshot. Consumer debt's up 17%, the fastest um, in, I know in the in the last decade by so far. So people are taking out more debt, larger amounts. Yeah, or, or, or uh, we were kind of saying what, what lead, now that leads into it, the question of like, what's causing this higher you know, delinquency status? I think a couple things, in my opinion, um, inflation, mm-hmm. right? Caught, people are spending the same amount, but it's 6% more, but their incomes are roughly the same. So that's just a math, you know, computation of like, oh, okay, I'm spending 6% more, I'm running 6% more of a balance. Um, and then, you know, a little bit of keeping up with the Joneses of uh, people are spending me on their means. And then, you know, I think that, that we're still seeing some of that pent up, you know, COVID. demand. Yeah. Co- uh, you know, the impacts of COVID of like people are traveling, wanted experiences. You know, we're, we hear that of like it's an experience based world, just like in our industry. Mm-hmm. We're trying to create an experience for our clients. People are wanting experiences, vacations, you know, travel. Airbnbs, travel. Yeah. yeah. And then also if they've already had debt their interest rate on that credit card yeah. has risen. The revolving so, so it's harder very, for them to get back to being, you know, yep. at square one because they're, they're paying higher interest. And that's too, that, so. that APR is like, and especially with credit cards specifically. Now that they're, everyone they're knows variable. what that APR yeah, they're is. They're variable rates. Variable and that's rates. tying into being responsible budgeting behavior. Like, don't live outside your means. I think that's the hardest thing for people to grasp. And it's really hard when it's inflation based too. And it's just like accepting like, this is my income right now. This is what I'm going to live and spend on. And this is what it was responsible. And you just feel better. I think. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Good dollars and cents. Dad. What's uh, what's the next question? Ira, Ira, what's my Ira paying? Okay. The next question Googled is what is the difference between a 401k and then IRA? And we were kind of joking about the Ira thing. Yeah, before. Ira, we, yeah, the, we hear a lot of people call it an IRA and I don't know if that's an old banking thing or whatever it might be, but biggest difference, IRA, IRA stands for individual retirement account. Uh, and then the biggest in the 401k, uh, the big difference between the two is one is 
sponsored by an employer or you're employed somewhere, they offer a 401k. The other one is individually owned or Cole Peterson went to, you know, Central Financial Group said, hey, I want to open up an IRA. It's owned by Cole. He, you know, does the contribution into that money. Both you can invest, you know, buy mutual funds. There's, there's, and we've talked, you know, in prior episodes about, you know, what you can and can't do in 401ks and IRAs. But uh, yeah. And we were kind of talking about this too, like what's your IRA paying? Like what you can actually own in an IRA. I think people get kind of confused. Like, and Colby maybe give a little yeah. education on that. So inside an IRA, you can own anything from, Apple stock to a CD. So if if you buy a CD, then yes, it pays us an interest rate. But when we get asked the question, what's what is, my what's my IRA paying? What's your IRA paying? That unless you have a CD or a, a money market or something like that in your IRA, it doesn't have a set interest rate. Um, you have an annual percentage that you you made on that. Over has a market the last value. Year. Has a daily market, market value. value. Yep. But most of the time, most of the time, you're going to have a mixture of mutual funds, bonds, stocks. ETFs, um, you know, it depends on how your you and your financial advisor set it up, but uh, it's going to be a mixture of those things, and it's not going to be a set rate. Uh, it's going to be uh, fluctuating from year to year, and you have you'll have an annual percentage that you make on it, but it's not set. I do think it's interesting that that was Googled so much because the amount of people we still that have come in, it's my IRA or my four hundred one k. They really don't differ. Retirement account. People think yeah. just retire. Oh, I yes. have a retirement account. Is that an IRA or four hundred one k? Because it is a big difference. Yeah, good Google question. I okay. I like this one. This is a Googler. The Googlers Googled <laughs> how to track my investments, like how they're doing in my net worth. Yeah, so I guess I'll I'll give. Um, I'm gonna start with maybe the net worth side because uh, this is something I do. I Again, no great. I, I don't have any great original ideas, but I, I read a book. You stole uh, it. Yeah. I, I literally don't say read, the title. Uh, I re- no, I won't say the title. I read a book. I don't know what book it, it what was. It was a real estate book, but it was this person in the book that was telling the story. They had met with a mentor, you know, all down the chain. And the, the first thing the mentor said is like, you need to track your net worth on a, on a monthly basis, which I'm probably a little over the top on it. I don't think monthly is you know, depending on what you're doing, a lot of people's won't change that much, but I do, I have quite a few different business entities, things where real estate, different values that I do want to know if I need to focus more time or something I'm doing is not doing well. I want to have kind of a, a history of that so I can see trend lines. So I track my net worth on a monthly basis. I just have a spreadsheet. I go in and I just update. It's all. I want to so see the yeah, spreadsheet. Microsoft, you know, the Microsoft office or, or Google sheets, whatever you do, you know, they're, they uh, make everything pretty easy, but I just go and update it once a month and then I track the total on one page. So I have multiple sheets, track the total, and I put a I put it red or green. So if it went down, I put red. If it went up, it went green. And some of it's subject on the values of my retirement accounts and, and some of it's subjective. Like, I don't know the market value of my home, but I have a, you know, I keep it pretty Good just idea. steady. Yeah, I just sure. keep it pretty steady. I'd be conservative on things, but I want to know, you know, whether or not I'm making, you know, if I look over that year, did I trend up or down? If I trend, yeah. If I trend it down, why did I trend down? Maybe I took more debt on or something, or I made a bad consumer, per, you know, purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then shifting over the investment side, I think it's really subject to what you have. You know, each each investment account they have their reporting tools. Cole and I and Bailey, we have uh, different tools that we use to, Year to, to show date, our, yep, six months yep, yeah. to show yeah. reports, and that just depends on what you have. Yeah, I have people clients that look at it every day, which I wouldn't recommend uh, because you, you kind of get it. We do have some that do though. We do have some that that look at it every day, and usually the people that look at it every day don't um, you know freak out when the market goes down. They they just want to know approximately where they're at. 
Um, but there's, there's a good way to track it is just log on to your accounts. Yeah. I mean, I, so many clients that I run into are, uh, will have their 401k and, and they'll be like, I'll, I've never logged on. I have no idea how much is in there. And it's like, well, how do you know if you were invested correctly or how do you know, uh, you know, yeah, they just you have your beneficiaries check. It. So if you, if you want to know where you're standing, you're interested in your investing, you, you've got to, you got to keep track of it. I mean, you've got to have a way to log in and see what your balances are if you don't. Pretty do much everywhere. It's Pretty like we're such everything. visual people, and it's funny you said about the net worth, net worth thing. I read. A, I'm not going to say it. I was listening to a podcast. This person <laughs> I read, they said the power of visually seeing your net worth, even quarterly, like just putting it up, and like it's so powerful. But same with investments, like go in and look at them. Like I, I can't even. I can't even tell you how many people have been like, oh, I haven't logged in. I haven't logged in my 401k in six months or my whatever it may be, and I'm like. Oh. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just look at it. It's okay. Visually see where you're at. Some people are out of sight, out of mind because yes. it works you up. But I, I do, I agree with that on like, especially on the debt side. I think if you have a, a, a goal of like paying down your debt, writing down that goal, and then also visually tracking like the progress you're making. And that's a great way to do it with debt specifically. Um, you know, if that's really a, especially cause a lot of times those are shorter term goals, right? I want to like 12 months where retirement could be a 40 a year, could play. be a 40 year goal. So it's a little harder, but I will say this at a, girl come in the other day and she had a ira ira <laughs> and she didn't know what it was in it was just sitting in a money market she's like i don't know how it's doing but it was just a money market it wasn't a lot but it still it just matters it makes a difference to see what it's in so good question all right here's another one i don't know who wants to answer it throw it up and toss it up and see who grabs it how to pay taxes on my investments how do you how do you pay, pay taxes, taxes on, on your investments? investments so it's going to depend on how it's invested is it in a qualified account or non-qualified? So we really have two different buckets that money can be in. It's qualified is in an IRA, 401k, some some tax-deferred status that you have it in. It's called a qualified account. So most of those, other than Roth, you're going to pay taxes on the way out, 100% on whatever you take out. So if I take $10,000 out of my IRA, I'm going to pay income taxes on that full $10,000, Okay. So that's how the qualified side. Now, non-qualified side, we're only going to pay taxes on the earnings or capital gains tax on the earnings. So if I have a uh, an account that I put $10,000 in of my own money out of my checking account, that would be what's called my cost basis because I already paid taxes on that money yep. when I got paid from my job. I put that $10,000 in that non-qualified account and a year later it's worth $15,000 and I say, "Oh, I want to cash that out and pay and, you know, pay off my credit card or whatever I want to do with it, um, you know, buy a car." I only pay taxes on that $5,000 and I pay capital gain tax, not income tax. So those are the two differences. So there is some power. I I have a lot of clients that all their money is wrapped into this side over here with the qualified. The qualified. Yep. You're doing the air thing, so I was just yeah, yeah. To see so it. for all our uh, listeners, I've I got my hand in the air on my left hands in the air, and that's my qualified side. Like you just still don't in care. There. Still in there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm raising the roof. Yeah. Uh, so that's my qualified side. It, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. So I'm a real big component of like, okay, yeah, qualified money is great, and Roth money is great, but all that money you can't touch until you're 59 and a half. So especially if they're a younger investor, let's start a non-qualified account. So if you do want to say you do fall behind or you, you want to retire early or you lose your job or, or yep. you have something come up, you've got some money over here. Cause if you have it all in a qualified account, you're, you're going to be paying penalties on that. The non-qualified account can be 
multi-purpose. It's like right? it, can be, it can be retirement. It can be your emergency fund. It College can be education. Yeah. I mean, it's so multi-purpose. You can use it for whatever you want. I got a good question then. This is not a Google question. How much should I put in my qualified accounts versus my non-qualified? I'm just like, I'm trying to invest for my future. I'm just learning how to start. Like, I don't know how much I should allocate towards there. I want to make sure I have plenty for retirement. And then like, I'm tight or maybe I'm not tight. I have extra money. Like, how do you decide which amount? Should you allocate to qualify? You know, very loaded. You yeah, know, it's, it's I know. Be, yeah, but you know what I'm okay. saying? You yeah. can hear people think but, that. But but yeah, I, I actually had this conversation yesterday with someone's like, hey, they're debating on, they have a, they've kind of got to a point with their 401k or their employer sponsored plan where they had maxed the amount out. And they're like, okay, I want to do a Roth IRA or maybe a non-qualified. And they were asking the, you know, back and forth. And we were, and that's where I went into the conversation and said, well, do you want to have access to the money? You know, you know, your retirement account's 59 and a half, just like Cole said, do you want to, you know, potentially maybe, and they just had a child as well. So I'm like, well, you know, this could be if you do non-qualified, you know, and there's some other strategies with Roths and stuff you can do as well, but you can use it for a gifting to a kid or, you know, you save and then potentially be the bucket that pays for education or you want to help with a wedding, whatever it might be. I think it really comes down to having that conversation of, of the, of the goal behind that money. I'm like, oh, is this specifically earmarked for retirement? Or is it more like I want to invest it, but I potentially could use it on, you know, a house or another investment, whatever it might be, or pay down debt or whatever it might be. I was setting this up because I was like the importance of a plan, like having a plan working with someone. And I was going to tie this in because people are on Google. They're searching for the answers. And I think this is just stressing again, why it's important to work with someone, have a plan. How much, that's why I asked you that. Cause these are questions like that could go so many ways, especially these Google ones, just like working and having someone guide you through these type of questions. And that's what we do. I mean, that's what, that's exactly, I hear Cole and I have offices right next to each other and we're having those conversations. Someone asks us that it's exactly what we go into. It's like, okay, well, what's the purpose? What's the purpose? Yeah. This is a huge, yeah. what's the, the biggest question. Yeah. 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 I mean, we can all hear Cole Jasky cause <laughs> He's so loud. For those who don't know, I'm the you know loudest one in the office, and it's the 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 running joke. He of took like, over the reins from me. It's yeah. not a joke. I'll be like working on something. Cole be talking to a client. I'm like, yeah, that was just. And I'm like, we can all hear you. The whole room can hear you. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I'm just joking. Can't but help it. Those are fun. Those. Yeah. Are, were you guys surprised by any of those Google questions? I was shocked of how many you know because we all kind of looked up different lists. The credit score very question, yeah. like how yeah. high that was on all the lists. Because I think that would be something that most people would yeah. be educated on. Do you think it's But at the people? same time, I mean, and, and this isn't a knock on Caleb. He did the same thing. But it's something like, you know, a credit score is important probably. And you know, like, you probably have one, but. You don't, don't understand you it. You don't understand, like, how you build it and how you get it to improve. And maybe you can comment on that. So the big thing that happened when, like, when I bought a house was, so I had always been told. So my parents, and they'll talk about this so I can say it, is they weren't the best with their debt. So they were always anti getting any sort of credit card debt, anything like that. Well, then that set me behind at 21 trying to buy a house because now I don't have a credit score. You don't have any credit. And yeah. so I had to figure out, okay, what do I do to start one? Well, then, of course, everyone knows this. It's hard to get the first one. Yeah. First one is So the it hardest. took a while. So that was kind of what happened with mine and then it was like okay well we got our first score so it's like okay well where do we how how much farther do we need to improve it before you can buy we're in a good spot and that's one thing i talked to joseph about when he asked me that that question because i was like you need to build a credit history 
but it's got to be a good credit history for your credit score to be good. Otherwise, you're going to work on trying to improve that for a long period of time. So, parents, you want to you want to set your kids up in life. It's a good thing of have educate. The, yeah, educate yeah. them, help them get started, and understand it. Like, put a bill on there, but pay it off. Put it on it, there, pay it off. You know, and that's how you start building that history. And it's just you're just really doing a transaction, but you're being disciplined with it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So I have I have a question. Oh, yeah, shoot. Not, right. not even Our Google. personal like, Googler yeah. here. This is more uh, central financial specific, I think. So how much money should someone have ready to invest before they come see you? <laughs> Good question. I'm going to let you go. We yeah. might answer. Cole and I might answer this differently, but yeah. I think we're yeah, probably so pretty let's hear, similar. Let's hear both answers. Yeah, yeah. so we, we don't have a minimum. Um, and we're willing to work with uh, younger people and the, the minimum really is like $100 a month. That, that it, For us to start an account for you, we have to have you at least commit to $100 a month. That's our, our minimum in our uh, compliance area. So that would be the absolute minimum. And, and that's really, a, a com- I, I agree, a commitment to like you're showing your commitment to, to, to taking some advice. You know, and that's what we want to see. We, we don't care dollar amount as much as like we want to help people. But it's like you've got to be committed. You can't just, you know, waste our time and then you do one thing and then you know, you pull it yeah, six months later, you're like, ah, oh, this doesn't work. We want to see someone that's committed to, you know, a longer term goal or objective they might be coming in to talk about. And yeah. we're all younger, you know, I mean, Cole P thinks he's so much older, but <laughs> he's not. it's kind of exciting. And I, I think about this because I had a younger person come in and they had the same question, like, how much do I need? I'm like, really? So they started with 200 a month. But my point is in 20 years, 30 years, that'll be exciting that you help them along yeah. because like, obviously working with people that have it all accumulated is very sophisticated, but it's also rewarding obviously not as beneficial. I mean, it's beneficial, but it's rewarding to see the long journey. What I would tell you is just get started. Cause I have people that started with me five years ago that started a hundred dollars a month and they've went up to 200 and they've cool went to, to 250 and then now, yeah. now they've got $15,000 in their account that they started at a hundred dollars a month. I mean, it just, it, it, it does accumulate. Even when the markets are bad, you're still putting in, you're buying low markets. Go, so you're, you're, you will be shocked at how fast it'll accumulate. Even if you just stick at that hundred dollars a month for a while. And then if you can even go up by $25 every year and go, go up and, and keep investing, it's going to accumulate pretty quickly. Try, try to have our small impact to reverse some of the stats we've talked about. Yes. Right? Let's try to get people to save more money, use less debt, you know, make good, you know, behavioral financial decisions. And pay yourself first. Like, yeah. I just think that like, people don't understand that when you put an investment, you feel like, oh, I'm not using that money. That's going to be the most rewarding money you use in your whole life. Like, Delayed you pay, gratification. You work so hard, like take a percentage of that paycheck and pay yourself back first. Yeah. Not the credit card scammers. just kidding all right well that was a good episode thanks guys for the google answers yeah good job all right there may be people that have more talent than you but there's no excuse for anyone to work harder than you do Derek jeter go cubs love it you've been listening to how to money with cole and cole the podcast of the central financial group courtesy of spin market to learn more visit their website at www.centralfinancialgroup.com and follow them on all their social media platforms for now i'm cole And I'm Cole. And we'll see you on the greens. Four. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associations Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Royal Alliance Associations Incorporated is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associations Incorporated. 
Material discussed is meant for general informational purposes only, and it is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Diversification does not insure against loss. Any guarantees discussed refer only to fixed insurance products and are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company.